the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. America is advanced citizenship. You've got to want it bad because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land is the land of the free? Then the symbol of your country cannot just be a flag. The symbol also has to be one of its citizens exercising his right to burn that flag in protest. Now show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classrooms. Then you can stand up and sing about the land of the free. And welcome to the main event. Yes, uh, you know, the, celebrate that in your classrooms. You know, the free speech thing. I'm so tired of hearing everybody talk about how you can't say this, you can't say that. Uh, it offends somebody. You know, if you say something, if you, if we, if we allow Christians to worship the way that they worship, then it offends the Muslims, and we can't offend anybody. What happened to the the land of the free, the free speech, the freedom of religion? And then I had a conversation with, uh, well, I had a conversation. I had an email battle with someone in uh, in my company at one of the other offices. Some young guy, you know, uh, early 30s, just getting started, no kids yet, um, who has an opinion about uh, the way the world is now and how if we just eliminated religion, it would it would solve a lot of our problems. And I said, well, then what would be the basis for, for anything uh, resembling right and wrong? You know, it's not a question of, it's not a question of, you know, it's, you know, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be any offensive stuff. We can't have any religion. We can't have any, you know what? Hey, if you put a, a manger scene, a manger scene for Christmas out on your lawn and offends the Muslims down the street, you got to take it down. Hey, you know what? Back in the old days, put up whatever you want. And if you don't like it, if you're Jewish, then put up your big menorah on, on your lawn. Or if you, and everybody just is tolerant. There's no tolerance anymore. Everybody has to be, everybody has to be non-offensive and it's getting, it's getting really, really old. It's uh it's scary. It's scary. The new world, the way, the way it is today, but uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff going on in this, on this week uh, with uh, the state of the union, the Republican, uh, the Republican debate that happened uh, Thursday night, as well as a few other issues going on in the country that I assume that most of you maybe know about, maybe didn't, uh, maybe didn't pay attention. I know a lot of a lot of guys tell me that uh, they don't have a chance to pay attention to this stuff, and uh, so they listen to my show and they get a whole week's worth of it at the time. But uh, so I'll talk about all that stuff. But first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman. 
President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, uh, Westlake Village, Orange, and Downey uh, to service all of Southern California and coming soon to West Covina. So, you know, it might be Covina, but I don't know. We're, uh, we're looking for the, the right place for a couple of guys we're putting in there. Um, it'll be more information to follow. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk to me on the phone because you're at work or for whatever other reason you don't want to talk on the phone, you want to do it the new way because you're under 30 and you don't talk on the phone, you only text text and email uh go to edhoffman.net click on apply now fill in the uh fill in the all the details that you uh, are comfortable telling me and give me the information that you're looking for the the question that you have and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my teammates matt bradbury randy sampius alex rojas or justin clark and we will solve your real estate financing puzzle and it will solve your I don't know. We'll we'll give you all the answers that you need. Uh, if you hear something you want repeated, you can uh, you can also hear the show on uh, edhoffman.net. Click on listen to the main event. You'll hear this show as well as, as well as four past shows you can listen to, and you can also get me on iTunes on podcast. Uh, go to iTunes on your uh, iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your computer, your iWatch, um, or whatever. I guess, I guess on your Android too. Whatever's your phone, you can get on iTunes. Search Ed Hoffman. And you'll find my podcast, and you can subscribe for free. It'll actually download once a week as we upload upload the show. <clears throat> Excuse me, it'll it'll download to your your device, and you can listen whenever time it's convenient. Uh, if you don't have something to get iTunes, you can also get the podcast on uh, edhoffman.net or uh, am five ninety theanswer dot com. Um, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter if you want to hear my. Uh, opinionated uh, 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 rants on uh, I tweet all on current events all week long, uh, and our show our show is on Facebook at uh, Facebook search the main event five ninety find the show page. You can also read my weekly columns on uh, IE Business Daily my opinion columns, and click the just go IE Business Daily click on the opinion tab, and you'll see my full weeks of, col- of columns. This one is uh, this this week I posted uh, my predictions for the State of the Union. Um, and they turned out to be spot on. They are spot on this week. Had a guy calling me from, and he's, uh, he's been in the country from Great Britain. And I said, how long have you been on this side of the pond? So anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, there's, I was spot on this week. Cheerio everyone. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on. So, uh, uh, state of the union, state of the union was on Tuesday night. President Obama delivered his final State of the Union address. Thank God. Um, how many more days until we're rid of that idiot in the White House? Uh, let's see. It's the uh, 16th. Got four days plus 365. 369 more days uh, of, which, uh, of which Obama can mess up our, mess up our uh, country. So, hey, only 369 more days. It's been a long, long time. Seems like the longest seven years ever. Uh, the State of the Union was more like fairy tale time, according to Nielsen data released l- released this week. 
the year's speech drew 31.3 million viewers. I know a lot of people that didn't even bother. I did only so I could talk about it. Um, it sounds like it sounds like a lot of people. 31.3 million, uh, 31.3 million, considering what do we have? 350 or 400 million people in the country. 31 million is a lot. Um, but it's actually the lowest TV viewership of all eight of Obama's State of the Union speeches. He promised right at the beginning of it to make it short. He lied, as usual. Um, it was also the smallest audience of any State of the Union address, dating back to Bill Clinton administration. In other words, one of the lowest State of the Union viewerships in the past 20 years. That means nobody really cares. Everyone predicted Obama would use his speech to take a final victory lap over his accomplishments. What accomplishments? I don't know. So, over his accomplishments and push his policy positions. But first he started out with a subtle little dig at Donald Trump's promise to make America great again. See if you can hear it. Each time, there have been those who told us to fear the future. Who claimed we could slam the brakes on change. Who promised to restore past glory if we just got some group or idea that was threatening America under control. Yeah, uh, if we can, I think, you know, we could restore us to our, our previous victories if we could just get some group under control. You know, some group, that's that's uh, that's uh, political talk for Muslims. You know, some like, hey, no, if we could just get some group under control. You know what? I wonder, President Obama, he says he's a Christian, but he speaks pretty good uh, Arabic and uh, from what I heard, heard uh, when he when his uh, worldwide apology tour, and uh, and he doesn't seem to go to church very much, and he sure is defensive about those Muslim people, you know the people that keep killing us, uh, and everybody else around the world. Uh, so Obama had more more to say on Islamophobia later in the speech, but first he had to push his liberal policy positions on education. Remember, Obama thinks we need two more types of education. We need to make two more types of education free. Let's listen. The bipartisan reform of No Child Left Behind was an important start. And together we've increased early childhood education, lifted high school graduation rates to new highs, boosted graduates in fields like engineering. In the coming years, we should build on that progress by providing pre-K for all. Pre-K for all. We're going to provide pre-K for all. So... Let me tell you, I, this is kind of personal to me. Pre-K, you know, that's preschool. So uh, my granddaughter is is in preschool a couple, two, three days a week. And uh, she asked me, she goes, Grandpa, when you were four, did you go to, to preschool too? I said, no, when I, went, when, I was, when I was four, we had the park. You know, we had a park 12, 12 uh, houses away from uh, my mom and dad's house. And we walked down there. And listen to this. This will blow your mind, you know, uh, or it'll blow your kids' minds. We used to get up when it got light, and we used to go to the park. And then uh, sometime around lunchtime, if I was at a friend's house, I would call my mom and say, Hey, Mom, I'm having lunch at Jack's house. Or, Hey, Mom, mom I'm having lunch at Jeff's house. That's okay. Okay, it's all right. Okay, thanks. Uh, see you later. And uh, we had to come home for dinner. And then after dinner, you know, we're out again at the park and uh, get home before the streetlights come on. And mom and dad didn't know pretty much where we were most of the time because the world was a safer place. And uh, that's just what we did. We didn't have we didn't have. Uh, well, we didn't even have a color TV. But uh, and of course, I had uh, I had to walk uphill 
to uphill both ways to school and back, and I had to with uh, no shoes on, and uh, maybe it wasn't that bad. But pre-K for all, so I said no. We had the park, and the park had had uh, you know the 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 uh, playground, and you know tetherball and caroms, which is you know kind of uh, a shooting pool for kids, and it had uh, little craft classes, and we had uh, we had baseball games and and basketball games. You know, this, not that we went and saw them, but we played them in the park and the little leagues and all that stuff. Then I didn't play little league or pop Warner; I played just park league. And that's what we did. And uh, so they think everybody should have pre-K. Pre-K, you know what? I got an idea. How about parenting? Parenting, because there's nothing that that the kids can learn in pre-K other than the same stuff that parents can teach them. You don't need a teaching credential to teach kids how to, uh, to, you know, sound out A, B, C, D, or, you know, hey, put them in front of the TV with, with Sesame Street and then talk to your kids. Anyway, he thinks pre-K should be uh, free for all, and we should just, you know, who's going to pay for that? Uh, taxpayers. Okay, but nobody's working, so nobody's paying taxes except for the rich people. And the rich people are the bad guys. So uh, then uh, he, he added this one little clip uh, regarding that other, other school he thinks should be free. We've already reduced student loan payments by, uh, to 10% of a borrower's income. And that's good. But now we've actually got to cut the cost of college. Providing two years of community college at no cost for every responsible student is one of the best ways to do that. And I'm going to keep fighting to get that started this year. Two years of free college. You know what? Community college is not that not that expensive. And you know what? Uh, college is a time when when kids get a chance to learn to live and free think and and uh be responsible and uh do all that stuff but we're going to give it to them for free so you know what the value of something you get for free is just what you paid for it and uh, so he thinks that should be free and um and uh and then he then he mentioned this he said hey we're going to reduce the we reduce the uh the the payments on student loans to 10% of of the borrower's income you know what? Ten percent of the borrower's income. I'll tell you that I do loans, and I see student loans on people's credit report. And this, you know, when we when we pre-qualify somebody and they say if it, if the credit card doesn't show what your minimum payment is, you usually you know for forever it's been five percent. So if you owe if you owe a thousand bucks, we charge you with fifty dollars or uh, five hundred dollars a month. Okay, so five percent of five percent of the balance if we don't have something to show what your minimum payment is if it doesn't show on credit so uh so but student loans are like less than one percent of the balance and i mean the student loans if you pay your minimum payment on your student loan it'll take you like about a hundred and twenty five years to pay it off and regardless of the interest rate the interest rates are low well we're going to lower the interest rate on that you know what the easier easier that the government makes it to get money to go to college, the higher the price of college goes. I would say uh, college professors and administration, all the stuff that has to do with the colleges is so much more expensive now because they made guaranteed student loans become available. Hey, I'm going to school. Uh, I've never paid a payment back in my life. Anything I've ever borrowed, I've never paid it back. And I don't have any sign that I'll ever be able to pay it back. But uh, I am going to school, and here's my here's my uh, 
my transcripts of uh, or my transcripts. Here's my here's my class schedule. Send it in, and then they send you uh, you know a couple thousand to several thousand, depending on on uh, what you're applying for. And um, uh, ten to for them to to change the payments down to ten percent of a student's income after they get back is raising the payment. So he's at, he's making a speech, acting like he's doing something great for people, but that just raises the payment. That didn't help anybody. So he's just blowing smoke up your butt. So uh, then it was time to address. Then it was time to address um, um, the Obamacare. And he started out with an announcement that's that uh, scared me personally. Let's hear it. Vice President Biden said that with a new moonshot, America can cure cancer. Last month, he worked with this Congress to give scientists at the National Institutes of Health the strongest resources that they've had in over a decade. Well, so so tonight I'm announcing a new national effort to get it done. And because he's gone to the mat for all of us on so many issues over the past 40 years, I'm putting Joe in charge of mission control. Well, I personally feel a lot better knowing that the that the task of curing cancer is being led by Joe Biden. Um, you know what? I do a lot of charity stuff. I do a lot of charity stuff, and and uh, you won't hear me promoting much in the line of of uh, promoting cancer research or cancer or anything. And I do give to 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 some of the stuff that people ask me to, but um, I just don't think anybody wants to cure cancer. I don't think they want a cure. I think the cancer is too big of a business, and I don't think anybody wants to cure it. Well, we do, but I don't think anybody in the government or anybody in the uh, you know American Cancer Society or uh, even uh, what's the what's the pink ribbon thing, uh, Susan Susan Coleman Foundation. Yeah, they 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 play it. They they preach a good game. They preach a a very. Uh, uh, moral moral duty that we're doing to help help fight cancer and i want to fight cancer but guess what i don't really think they do because too big too big of money and of course uh on obamacare obama keeps having to sell us it's been six years since we've had obamacare i've i've gone into this many times that the only people that think obamacare was a good thing have not had to use it say hey i got i got health insurance i never had it before have you used it no but i got a health insurance card and it doesn't cost me very much yeah it does cost me a lot for you to have a health care card, and, uh, um, which it shouldn't. You should have to pay for your own. But instead, they charge it to me called uh, taxes, and then they spend my money on, on uh, making sure you're insured. You never had to use it. That's the only reason that you think it's a good thing. If you try to use it, you're going to find out how under, underpaid, overstaffed, uh, I'm sorry, understaffed and underpaid and uh, that the uh, hospitals are that there's not enough doctors and nurses to go around, that the facilities aren't sufficient, and that that thing about, this will save the average family $2,500 a year, that's bull. So far, I've seen it go up, 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 up. So, uh, so affordable care is about what? I don't know. Uh, let's play the next clip on, on Obamacare. Basic benefits should be just as mobile as everything else is today. That, by the way, is what the Affordable Care Act is all about. It's about 
filling the gaps in employer-based care so that when you lose a job or you go back to school or you strike out and launch that new business, you'll still have coverage. Nearly 18 million people have gained coverage so far. And in the process, in the process, so, so, so full of crapola. You know, he's, uh, 18 million people have gained, gained coverage. They don't, can't get anything out of it, but they got a little insurance card. Can't get him, but that's what the Affordable Care is about. And in the process, drove health care costs up for employers, so they had to lay off people, and that's good for America, right? I don't think so. But supposedly, uh, supposedly none of that's true, and here's what he wants us all to think instead. Health care inflation has slowed, and our businesses have created jobs every single month since it became law. Now, uh, I'm guessing we won't agree on health care anytime soon. But... Applause right there. <laughs> Just a guess. <laughs> Isn't he cute? He's such a Anthony. Um, you can put the last name in there if you want. Uh, you know, healthcare inflation has slowed. Healthcare inflation has slowed. Did he say that? Healthcare inflation has slowed. So instead of saying, they said, hey, we were supposed to save $2,500 a year, the average family. Instead, now it's just inflation has slowed. Well, I don't ever remember the the healthcare premiums going up this fast ever, ever. And uh, you know, I've got 170 employees, and we have uh, about 110 of them that are on our healthcare plan. This year, this year, our price tag is four hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars for the company. I don't ever remember having to pay that. So uh, you can see what a great thing this was. Later, he brought up uh, ISIS <clears throat> or ISIL as the Democrats call it. Remember how ISIS was supposed to be the JV squad. Even after everything that's transpired over the past year, including the largest terror attack since 9-11, and right here in our backyard in San Bernardino, um, committed by a couple who pledged allegiance to ISIS, Obama still believes that they're the JV squad. Let me play this clip. Masses of fighters on the back of pickup trucks, twisted souls plotting in apartments or garages, They pose an enormous danger to civilians. They have to be stopped. But they do not threaten our national existence. That that is the story ISIL wants to tell. That's the kind of propaganda they use to recruit. We don't need to build them up to show that we're serious. And we sure don't need to push away vital allies in this fight by echoing the lie that ISIL is somehow representative of one of the world's largest religions. <clears throat> Let me point out some things he said. Um, they don't threaten our, our, our existence. Well, they do threaten our, our way of life. Is that bad enough? You know, uh, he called out Islam. Finally, he finally, he finally acknowledged it's Islam. But uh, how did he do it? He said he referred to them as the world's largest religion. He didn't say Muslims. He didn't say Islam. He said, hey, the world's largest religion. I'm surprised he didn't say the world's greatest, the world's greatest religion. But uh, Obama is Obama. I promised to play uh, Obama's other comments on Islamophobia. And, uh, and here they are. Apparently, he wants, to, uh, wants Republican 
every Republican who cares about national security to feel very guilty about it. Let me play this one. When politicians insult Muslims, whether abroad or our fellow citizens, when a mosque is vandalized or a kid is called names, that doesn't make us safer. That's not telling it what, telling it like it is. It's just wrong. It diminishes us in the eyes of the world. It makes it harder to achieve our goals. It betrays who we are as a country. Yeah, it betrays who we are as a country. We don't want to, you know, it's just wrong to vandalize a mosque or uh, do anything to hurt anybody. You know, uh, you know what was going on in Iran this week? Well, the same day he made this speech, Iran took 10, 10 of our Navy guys, soldiers, hostage. Apparently their boat either broke down or ran out of gas or something, and they accidentally got it too close to Iran, and they, they pulled them over, and, uh, and then they took pictures of them with their heads down and their hands behind their back and then, and then put them on TV in, in Iran. You know what? Isn't it great, our Muslim friends over there? They're so wonderful. And, uh, and then all that leads to Obama's plan to make his decision to close Guantanamo Bay. As soon as we come back from the break, I'll, uh, I'll play that clip, and we will continue. Don't go away. Five minutes of commercials and traffic and weather. I'll be right back with part two of the main event. Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! property or if you need a reverse mortgage or you need to refinance call me toll free at 855-640-2020 if it sounds like i think like you otherwise call a democrat that does loans um but if it sounds like we think a lot i will guide you toward the decision you want to make on your financing and i've been doing it for lots and lots and lots of years like uh 20 i think i'm at 27 years now i know i'm in year nine on the radio show but i lost track of all the See, I think I started in 1989. So what's that? I think I'm in my 27th year. So anyway, whatever it is. So uh, so as I was talking to you uh, about the the State of the Union, Obama wants to make his uh, his uh, his Guantanamo last plea to close Guantanamo. Let's hear that. Here's and that kind of leadership depends on the power of our example. That's why I will keep working to shut down the prison at Guantanamo. It is expensive, it is unnecessary, and it only serves as a recruitment brochure for our enemies. Yeah, it's expensive and unnecessary, and it serves as recruitment for our enemies. Well, says who? And, uh, and you know, if it's expensive and unnecessary, how much does it cost to keep uh, Charles Manson in, in jail out there in Chino? Uh, maybe we should let him go. How much does it cost to keep O.J. Simpson out there in Las Vegas? How much does it cost to keep Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, in jail? How much does it cost to keep, uh, what's the guy's Lacey, uh, um, the guy that killed his wife, oh, oh uh, Peterson, uh, 
Scott Peterson. How much does it cost to keep him in jail so he doesn't kill another wife? I don't know. How much does it cost to let these people out? I got an idea. If we don't have, we caught these guys trying to kill us and we put them in Guantanamo Bay, why don't we just stick a needle in their necks and make them go to sleep forever? And just stop talking about it. You know, let's protect the United States first. You know, uh, after this, after his speech on, on fairy tale land, um, the Democratic National Committee president, well, first, uh, first the um, governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, made a speech, um, as we always do the rebuttal. Remember, Marco Rubio did it last year or the year before, and he got criticized because he, 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 he kind of paused and took a drink of water out of his water bottle. And, uh, you know, because that is so unprofessional, drinking water. And uh, but this time, uh, Nikki Haley, the uh, South Carolina governor, did it, and uh, she did a good she did a good speech, and uh, and after that, uh, Deb- Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Rush calls her Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz. Um, she's a curly haired Jewish lady with a big mouth and a little tiny brain, and she was on she was talking to uh, Megan Kelly, and uh, she went on there for two reasons: first, to attack uh, Nikki Haley. And uh, who gave the speech and next to talk about how important it was to invite a member of CARE, the Council on on American Islamic Relations, to the event. Let me play this clip. We have an outrageous situation where you have much of of the Republican field of presidential candidates and and others who have consistently criticized and discriminated against, said horrific things about Muslim Americans in this country. There's a lot of great Muslim Americans that could go that are not affiliated with a group that's been named as an unindicted co-conspirator in a terror trial. Megan. I asked my colleagues to join me in what I did tonight, which was invite a Muslim American constituent, a leader in, in our community, to join me as my guest at the State of the Union. And yeah. 25 members did that. That was the right thing to do because we needed to make sure that we I could call it. out the it, discrimination. It's not the Muslim a guest. It's care in particular, but I understand your point. Yeah, that was the right thing to do is invite a Muslim American to the, to the State of the Union. You know what? Is anybody tired of this crap? You know what? Uh, does anybody know what's go- what's going on this week? Did anybody remember that there was a guy in Philadelphia that uh, ran up to a police car and fired his gun ten times point blank at the guy at a cop in the in and uh, of course he fired ten times. He only hit him three times in the arm, and the uh, cop got out and uh, with his arm hanging because it shattered one of, uh, one or two of the bones in his arm and uh, caught him. And, and when he got picked up, he said, I did this in the name of Islam. And the chief of police made a speech and said, he claims he did it in the, in the name of Islam. And then the mayor of Philadelphia uh, came on and said, this has nothing to do with Islam. How do you know? The guy said he, the guy who pulled the trigger said it had to do with Islam, and now you're going out there and saying it has nothing to do with Islam. Why are we cowering down to these people? You know what? It's a it's the right thing to do to invite a Muslim Muslim. How I you know what I said? Hey, why don't you invite a cop? Why don't you invite a police officer to to uh, to the State of the Union and show support for them instead of worrying about uh, sucking up to the uh, to the Muslims? You know what? And then what does John Kerry do? The day, oh, and then that same day, that same day that she's doing that, uh, our Navy guys get picked up by uh, by Iran, and they showed pictures of uh, 
of our American Navy soldiers with their heads down, their arms behind their back, like they're being tortured or, or surrendering. And uh, what does John Kerry do, our, our, our uh, Secretary of State? He makes this comment. I want to thank the Iranian authorities for their cooperation and quick response. Uh, these are always situations which, as everybody here knows, have an ability, uh, if not properly guided, to get out of control. Yeah. <clears throat> Doesn't it make you feel good be, to be cowering down to the Iranian people? You know, and they showed pictures of, of all our, our guys and their guns were lined up because they surrendered their guns. Doesn't that make you feel good? I can't wait for Obama and John Kerry and all the Democrats to get out of office. It's 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 disgusting and it's embarrassing uh, to think that this is this is our country and this is this is what they're doing to us. It's amazing. Um, you know, I went in for my interview for my concealed carry this week, and uh, one of the questions that I left blank on my questionnaire was, uh, "When was the last time you lost your temper?" And then after I'm talking to the uh, the interviewer at uh, Riverside Sheriff's. I said, uh, well, what is your definition of losing your temper? He goes, well, you do your radio show. Do you, do you lose your temper when you're doing your radio show? I go, well, typically not, not accidentally. I mean, I get emotional. I said, I'll tell you, tell you last night I watched the State of the Union, and I, got, and I was, lost my temper there. He goes, okay, write it down. He understood. He absolutely understood. He even made a comment. He goes, hey, you know what? Uh, and, and I'll talk about this. Well, I'll talk about that when we get to the, to the debate. Let's talk about the debate because Trump makes a comment about that. And I'll make a comment about what, uh, what the officer said, said on, on something that relates to that. So the Iowa, so, so, uh, Thursday night we had our second to the last Republican debate, uh, before the Iowa caucus, which, uh, the third Thursday after next will be the last one, three days before the caucus. That's going to be a good one. Because that could turn turn some people's uh, decisions on who they're voting for. But uh, Iowa caucus is just three weeks away. Um, there's more at stake for the Republican candidates. Thursday night, the candidates uh, gathered at Charleston at the North Charleston Coliseum, the same place that uh, Don and I were in September um, for Lieutenant Dan Van Weekend. We shared a weekend with uh, the injured vets and the Independence Fund where we donated uh, money for uh, a track chair and uh, to send a bunch of caregivers on a retreat. We got a chance to meet uh, Lieutenant Diane Gary Sinise, and now we're doing a big uh, fundraiser with them this year to actually build a house for a uh, for a, uh, a triple amputee veteran in San Diego. I'll, uh, I'll be sharing more of that all year, but I'm not going to talk about it today any more than that. But they had their first debate. Main stage was uh, only seven people, Trump, Carson, Cruz, Rubio, Christie, Bush, and Kasich. How Kasich got on stage and they put uh, Carly Fiorina on the, at the little kid's table, I will never know because this guy's a moron. But uh, mo- most of the debate uh, focused on rivalries. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump, Donald Trump and, and Ted Cruz are trying hard, the two frontrunners are trying hard not to fight with each other. But it's getting too close, and I think it's inevitable. And uh, Trump brought up the, the, uh, the birther card, and, uh, and Cruz responded like this. September. Uh, my friend Donald said that he had his lawyers look at this from every which way. And there was no issue there. There was nothing to this birther issue. Now, since September, the Constitution hasn't changed. But the poll numbers have. And I recognize 
that Donald is dismayed that his poll numbers are falling in Iowa. But the facts and the law here are really quite clear. Under long-standing U.S. law, the child of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural-born citizen. If a soldier has a child abroad, that child is a natural-born citizen. That's why John McCain, even though he was born in Panama, was eligible to run for president. If an American missionary has a child abroad, that child is a natural-born citizen. That's why George Romney, Mitt's dad, was eligible to run for president even though he was born in Mexico. At the end of the day, the legal issue is quite straightforward, but I would note that the birther theories that Donald has been relying on, some of the more extreme ones insist that you must not only be born on U.S. soil, but have two parents born on U.S. soil under that theory. Not only would I be disqualified, Marco Rubio would be disqualified, Bobby Jindal would be disqualified, and interestingly enough, Donald J. Trump would be disqualified. You are incorrect, sir, in all parts of that in all parts of that little speech there. Number one, the Naturalization Act of seventeen ninety says uh in order to be a natural born citizen you need to have two natural born parents. American citizens. Well, natural born. You need to, both citizens need to be American citizens. Okay, the the uh the amendment to the Naturalization Act in seventeen ninety five said one one uh parent to be a citizen. If you're born abroad if you have one one American citizen, then then you're then you're an American citizen. One parent that's an American citizen, then you're a citizen. But it left out natural born, and even I hate to even side with uh, Geraldo Rivera, but Geraldo Rivera was arguing with Hannity, and Hannity goes, Hannity said, "Oh, they just left out the natural born part in that, and that changes everything." Well, that's what laws are. I had a conversation on that other radio station across town. Uh, the, on uh, yesterday with uh, a constitutional professor from uh, one of the Claremont schools, um, and and he said, well, he read it. Said, well, it says that if you're if you're born of a natural, bo- if your parents are natural born citizens, and I said, did it say citizens or did it say citizen? Is there an S on there? Well, uh, he didn't really. He really wasn't sure. And I said, because that concerns me. Is it citizen or citizens? Because if it's citizen, then what was the big, what was the conflict with Barack Obama? We always knew his mom was a, was a citizen, was an American-born citizen. But for some reason, we had half the country concerned about, was he born in Kenya or he wasn't born in Kenya? And we all knew that his dad wasn't, wasn't an American citizen, never had been born in Kenya and was never American citizen. So there seems to be some inconsistencies there. Judge Napolitano, Andrew Napolitano on Fox says, oh, there's a hundred-year-old statute that clears that up. Yeah, show me. Because quite frankly, if if the fact that Barack Obama, that we didn't throw him out because we know he's born in Kenya, we know he doctored up his birth certificate, we know his dad wasn't a citizen, if the fact that we didn't keep him from being president, if that supersedes all the laws, then just say it. If the laws are the laws, let's follow them for everybody. You know, when it comes to, uh, the, and, and he's right, that, that law would eliminate him because his dad was, at the time, his mom was a citizen, but his dad wasn't. And I'm not saying anything bad about uh, Cruz's dad because his dad is a true patriot, but he wasn't a citizen at the time. And, and Ted Cruz was born in Canada. Marco Rubio, neither one of his parents' his parents were, uh, were citizens at the time of his birth. And, but they, he was born in the United States. Donald Trump is different. 
well, you know, that would eliminate Donald Trump because his mom was born in Scotland. However, you know, Donald Trump's father, Fred Trump, was born in East Tremont, on East Tremont Avenue in the Bronx. I think that's New York. That's America. Uh, to German immigrants. His, so his parents, his parents were, his grandparents were immigrants from, uh, from Germany in 1885. After World War II, Fred Sr. told the uh, family of his Swedish origin uh, that he was Swedish because uh, 1990, oh, according to a 1990 New York Times article, uh, Fred's nephew uh, told him that having a lot of Jewish tenants in their in their buildings was wasn't a good thing to be to do if you were from Germany. So he told everybody he was Swedish. But Donald's father, Fred Jr., was born in New York City. He married Donald's mother, Mary McLeod. M C L E O D in New York in New York. Mary was born in Scotland, but she became a US citizen in nineteen forty two, four years before Donald Trump was born. So at the time of his birth, his mom was a citizen. She wasn't natural born, but she was a citizen and her dad and his dad was a natural born citizen and he was born in the United States. So if we're gonna if we're gonna follow the laws, let's just make it consistent for everybody because I hear a bunch of inconsistency. Donald Trump, then Donald Trump, re- and so, so everybody says, hey, this thing is settled. It's not settled. I realize that I'm not going to be the one who makes this decision. In fact, I realize also that I'm not going to be the one who's going to decide who wins the primary because by the time we have our primary in June, it's going to be pretty much wrapped up. But I'm hoping that some of you guys think about some of the things that I say and you talk to your talk to your uh, relatives that live in other states and hopefully I make a difference. But certainly we're going to get you thinking so by the time November 8th comes around, you're you're thinking right. And if you're not registered to vote, you get registered to vote and you certainly register uh, not Democrat. So, uh, so, but I'd say, hey, you know what? I'll go along with whatever it is, but let's just be consistent. Let's get it out on the table. If the if what was written in 1790 and 1795 is is mute because of Obama, let's just say it. Let's get it out. Okay, from now on, you don't have to. All you have to have is one American parent, and you can be born in Antarctica if you want. Okay, so let's do that. But uh, that was Cruz's line of BS, which I lose a little bit of respect for him. But what else would you say to defend yourself? You're running running for president. I like Cruz. Other than that. Trump's response was trying hard not to fight with him, said this. You say it. I don't care. I think I'm going to win fair and square. I have to win this way. Thank you. Lawrence Tribe and numerous from Harvard, of Harvard, said that there is a serious question as to whether or not Ted can do this, okay? There are other attorneys that feel, and very, very fine constitutional attorneys, that feel that because he was not born on the land, he cannot run for us. Here's the problem. We're running, we're running. He does great. I win. I choose him as my vice presidential candidate, and the Democrats too, because we can't take him along for the ride. I don't like that, okay? Okay. He's trying hard not to fight, but I think it's inevitable. You know, when you realize we're not fighting against Hillary Clinton yet, we got to narrow this down to one one nominee, and that's what they're doing. Trump is trying hard not to fight, but it's it's inevitable. One of the funnier moments, I'll try to get a clip in, but I got about seven and a half minutes left. I try to get a, clips in on it, all the other ones. One of the the funniest moments of the night was uh, uh, Ben Carson after Jeb Jeb was uh, was Jeb Bush was going on, and Carson jumps in. Let me just play it. We need to have a compelling conservative agenda that we present to the American people in a way that doesn't disparage people, that unites us around our common purpose. And so 
everybody needs to discount some of the things you're going to hear in these ads and discount the, the back and forth here because every person here is better than Hillary Clinton. Uh, Neil, I was mentioned to... You were? Yeah, I said everybody. Oh. Uh, <laughs> You know, if somebody mentions you in in their response, and you get to talk next, and well, he 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 mentioned me too. You did? He did? Oh yeah, he mentioned everybody. Okay, I would. I thought that was hilarious. Okay, so you maybe didn't. I did. Okay, and then John Kasich was on there. Sounds like a Democrat. He should be in the Democrat uh, uh, debate that's coming up. I don't know. I think it's on Sunday this weekend when no one will be watching it. Uh, John Kasich said this about jobs. We've got to make sure we're training people for jobs that exist, that are good jobs that can pay. Let me tell you that in this country, in this country, people are concerned about their economic future. They're very concerned about it. And they wonder whether somebody is getting something that's keeping them from getting it. That's not the America that I've ever known. My father used to say, Johnny, we never, we don't hate the rich. We just want to be the rich. And we just got to make sure that every American has the tools in K through 12 and in vocational education and higher education. And we got to fight like crazy. You know what? We don't owe any American anything. The government doesn't owe any, any American anything but opportunity. And, and uh, Kasich needs to figure that out. And so do all the Democrats that are walking around with their head up there uh, in the clouds, let's say. Uh, and uh, then, then Cruz and Trump uh, went on. Trump, uh, Trump blasted Cruz for saying that he had espoused New York values. And this brought on Trump's first moment of the night. When the World Trade Center came down, I saw something that no place on earth could have handled more beautifully, more humanely than New York. You had two, one hundred... You had two 110-story buildings come crashing down. I saw them come down. Thousands of people killed. And the cleanup started the next day, and it was the most... Horrific cleanup, probably in the history of doing this and in construction. I was down there, and I've never seen anything like it. And the people in New York fought and fought and fought, and we saw more death and even the smell of death. Nobody understood it, and it was with us for months, the smell, the air. And we rebuilt downtown Manhattan, and everybody in the world watched, and everybody in the world loved New York and loved New Yorkers. And I have to tell you, that was a very insulting statement that Ted made. He, that was that was a moment where he made Cruz eat crow, and and I'm sure he looked like he felt stupid for a. For saying, "Oh, you've got a you've got a uh, New York attitude, or you you espouse New York values." Then the candidates got around talking about ISIS, Syrian refugees, and Trump's proposed ban on Muslim immigration. That, in case you didn't know, that some a Syrian refugee was admitted to Turkey last week or a week ago, and a week later, and a Syrian refugee, and uh, and a week later, blew himself up with a with a uh, suicide bomber and killed some people. And uh, you know what? Maybe the Turkey people, maybe the people in Turkey, they're not afraid of uh, of women and orphans, but we need to be. And uh, here was here was uh, Jeb and Trump, and Trump had an opportunity for his second moment of the night. For presidency of the United States here, this isn't this isn't you know a different kind of job. You have to leave. You cannot make rash statements and expect the rest of the world 
to uh, respond as though, well, it's just politics. Every time we, we send signals like this, we send a signal of weakness, not strength. And so it was an impeach on his statement, which is why I'm asking him to consider changing his views. I want security for this country, okay? I want security. I'm tired of seeing what's going on between the border where the people flow over, people come in, they live, they shoot. I want security for this country. We have a serious problem with, as you know, with radical Islam. We have a tremendous problem. It's not only a problem here, it's a problem all over the world. I want to find out why those two young people, those two horrible young people in California, when they shot the 14 people, killed them. People they knew, people that held a wedding reception for them. I want to find out. Many people saw pipe bombs and all sorts of things all over their apartment. Why weren't they vigilant? Why didn't they call? Why didn't they call the police? And by the way, the police are the most mistreated people in this country. I will tell you that. Yes, the police are the most mistreated people in this country, and uh, and we're all we're we're tiptoeing around the Muslims not to insult them, but we're insulting the police. And I'm probably not going to be able to get to my last couple of clips, but I will tell you. I want to tell you about um, just something to think about. Just something to think about from my uh, from my uh, concealed carry interview. We discussed. We were talking with the with the uh, the police over there, and I talked to him, and I had mentioned that. Uh, that you know about the Debbie Wasserman Schultz thing. And I say, hey, you know what? If if you wanna, if you really wanna show support, invite a police officer to the to the uh, uh, State of the Union instead of a Muslim American. Quit tiptoeing around the people that want to kill us, and show some respect to the people that protect us and support us and keep us and keep us safe. And will and uh, you know put themselves in harm's way to make sure that we're that we're safe instead of focusing in on the couple of couple of. Uh, couple of bad bad seeds out there and uh and he mentioned and it just happened to be the same same day they announced that the rams are coming to la i know that makes some of you guys happy and it makes some people in st louis sad but he goes why do you think that's happening you think it's just money Uh, i'll tell you one of the reasons black lives matter he goes you have a job you have a business like that you have a business like that where would you want it to be in la or in st louis I don't know. I know that they have they that the Rams own property in LA and and maybe this was a long time coming, but it had to but I think it was an influence part of the decision. Things happen. There's a there's called human nature and uh unforeseen circumstances, so think about what you do in everything you do and don't forget to listen to the main event next week where I'll be back again with you talking some more politics and common sense. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.